time we stop spreading fear and acknowledge some facts. This is not about freedom or personal choice. You know, you can't work anymore unless you do what I say. That's essentially what a vaccine passport is. Wear masks obviously is a violation of your personal rights, and so is being locked down. You've been patient. Your patience is wearing thin. Open society back up. Restore our freedoms. End this madness. G'day, I'm George Christensen, host of the Conservative One Pandemic Unmasked, the podcast that's lifting the veil on uh, the Wuhan flu and seeing what lies underneath and what's lied underneath for many has been the systematic removal of freedoms and liberties that we once thought were our precious rights in this country and elsewhere around the world. Uh, we've found to our horror that governments with the stroke of a pen, in fact, not just governments, but bureaucrats authorised by parliaments can just remove our freedoms, our liberties at whim, all for the sake of a virus that has a very, very low infection fatality rate. The uh, cure, as it turns out, in my opinion, and the opinion of many other Australians and those around the world, has been worse much worse than the disease. We're joined this episode by uh, Western Australia Law Reform Commissioner, Professor Augusto Zimmerman, to talk to us about our fundamental rights in the age of COVID-19. Well, it's my pleasure to welcome Professor Augusto Zimmerman to the Conservative One podcast. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, uh, Professor Zimmerman, uh, all the way from Western Australia uh, via the power of the internet. Um, it's great that uh, you have been such a strong voice uh, for our legal rights, our fundamental rights in the age of COVID-19. In fact, that was the name of a book that you, uh, you published or you edited uh, over the course of this pandemic. Tell me, Augusta, I'm going to start off with the very, very big question. How in the hell uh, have all of these freedoms and all of these liberties uh, that we thought were our innate rights? You know, some people talk about constitutional rights. Um, we do have constitutional rights, but I think that people get mixed up with the American Bill of Rights when it comes to that. But we, we thought we lived in a democracy that had innate human rights, innate fundamental rights that were attached to our persons. And uh, then we find that at the stroke of a pen, that some jumped up bureaucrat can actually take them all away uh, in order to keep us safe, apparently. Um, well, I don't feel very safe and neither do uh, many people out there feel very safe where, with the knowledge that government can actually do this. So tell us, uh, Professor Zimmerman, how in the hell has this all happened? Well, look, it's very clear, and we know it uh, from history, that the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. And when I wrote my uh, PhD thesis on, on the rule of law, one of the things I have uh, explained in my thesis is that the rule of law requires as much as a cultural, political environment as uh, the rule of law is a matter of legal institutional design. 
in many ways, what uh, used to make this country uh, a free nation was the culture of legality and the fact that we have had, uh, until quite recently, an appreciation for the enjoyment of individual rights that are uh, not uh, to be uh, controlled or taken away uh, by government. But uh, I think this is one of the consequences of trusting in the authorities too much and also an unintended consequence of the idea of the welfare state, where you have uh, basically politicians uh, uh, behaving as the benevolent providers for everything, from cradle to grave. And you know, uh, uh, George, that um, some uh, politicians, uh, in order to um, aspire uh, more power and control, they can find all sorts of uh, uh, mechanisms and justifications even for uh, what they can do. And um, if, if you have these emergency powers, that's because we should have uh, an understanding that this can potentially become more permanent over the time, uh, as, uh, as long as uh, the politicians start to develop an appreciation for the powers they have acquired. So uh, if we do not recover our traditions, uh, liberal, classical liberal traditions of limited government and an appreciation uh, for individual rights and freedoms, we are never going to go back to what we had in the past. And this country will inevitably be turned into a form of more disguised or even more open elected dictatorship. Mm -hmm. Well, that's uh, certainly uh, the, the political argument, and I completely and utterly concur with what you've said, but can I just dig into more about the the legal side of it? Uh, you having been a former Western Australia Law Reform Commissioner, you're one of the uh, the more esteemed, uh, certainly in conservative circles, uh, uh, legal professors or law professors in this country, uh, and you're a, you're a great uh, uh, man of the law in your own right. Um, now, uh, all of that uh, being said, Augusto. Can you tell me what what are then our constitutional rights in this country? I know some yeah. of them, and, and what also are our common law rights? So, so can you give us a process on on all of these rights that should be ascribed to Australians? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, even the High Court has acknowledged the existence of these common law rights in previous decisions. Uh, one of these rights is undoubtedly the right to bodily autonomy. Uh, and um, and it, as derived from this right that uh, precedes even the enactment, the enactment of our Constitution, in 1947, you had an amendment to the Constitution uh, establishing very clear that uh, we have a right to uh, not be civilly conscribed to medical or pharmaceutical treatment. And if that is a guarantee that uh, is connected with our common law traditions, this protection must be extended even to the states so that nobody should be forced into an experimental uh, test, which is exactly what's happening now, because vaccines, as you know, they must be tested for a, a long period of time in order to be uh, then approved and released to the public. 
Um, every form of coercion is always something that's not uh, connected with our traditions of liberty under the law. Uh, the common law uh, tradition is very clear that uh, government doesn't uh, give these rights. And that's why the government can never take them away. So yeah. what's happening are actions that are in violation of the rule of law. And we as individuals have the right to resist such instances of tyranny, even to the point of practicing civil disobedience if necessary. Actually, what the government is doing is unlawful, and we are exercising just uh, our rights according to our traditions to say no to these instances that are actually coercive and they have not no no legal grounds according to the common law principles and rules that we have inherited from our legal system. Mm -hmm. We've said a lot that needs to be unpacked there. Uh, firstly, the issue of um, common law ascribing freedoms to us that uh, that uh, government doesn't have to take away and give back. Well, I've uh, I've been bemused by the fact that so many different political leaders have talked about government giving back liberties to people, giving back freedoms to people. Uh, and exactly as you've said, I've thought to myself, it wasn't yours to take in the first place, pal. Um, you know, uh, that, that, that's that's ours and no one takes it away, um, yeah. particularly in a liberal democracy such as ours. Yeah, that's um, the precedent that it's open, George. I'm sorry to, to interrupt yeah, no, you. Please forgive me, forgive me on that. It, we have to know the lessons uh, from history, perhaps because we have never gone through a period where the government behaves in an openly oppressive manner. And uh, this is coupled with the fact that um, our uh, students here in Australia, uh, or students have no knowledge of proper knowledge of history, we actually lack in, a, in the understanding that the worst killing machine in the whole uh, history of mankind has been government. And you know that in the 20th century alone, uh, the governments of the world were responsible for the assassination of more than 200 million people. How on earth we are going to have so much confidence in government to the point of allowing them to inject something into our bodies? If I believe the um, experiment will potentially work and save people's lives, is the precedent that's being opened in the future for governments to be doing whatever they want to a person's body. And um, this is actually absolutely sinister. And it makes me really worried about what can happen now that we have opened this uh, dangerous precedent, as I have mentioned. Mm -hmm. So, uh, well, well, in the context of this pandemic, right, a lot of people have argued, I've seen it time and again on uh, fact checks that they have out there. I've seen... Uh, the World Economic Forum say this on their blogs uh, that our our human rights um, uh, need to be uh, measured against uh, group rights. Uh, they they say that uh, yes, it is true that um, there is an abuse of your personal rights when someone forces you to wear something such as a mask, uh, uh, demands or coerces you to inject something into you such as uh, an inoculation. Uh, when they force you to stay behind doors and curfews or lockdowns or whatever have you. Um, but this all has to do with um, with the link to the pandemic, which apparently is a, a greater threat to all of us collectively 
rather than uh, uh, which it's a greater threat that's it's commensurate uh, to uh, to reducing these liberties that we have um, in order to control that threat or uh, or to fight that threat. So what's your view around that particular argument? Well, this is a, a very complex discussion, but you know that these organicist uh, uh, ideas that we have to protect the body of the community inevitably lead, lead to uh, unintended but potentially very tragic consequences. Because every time you think about in group terms, you end up um, potentially destroying individual rights uh, because group rights, so-called, as they are called, and the rights of the individual, they can clash. And this becomes, in many ways, uh, um, a slippery slope that leads to that utilitarian idea that the sacrifice of the minority can be necessary for the good of the majority. So this is a, a very dangerous uh, approach that was um, potentially, or has been, not even potentially, being used in the past to justify uh, the elimination of minority undesirable groups. You know very well that this is the approach taken by national socialism when uh, they decided that in the name of the uh, protection of the body, uh, some undesirable elements must be destroyed because they are cancerous elements in the body that um, prejudicial to the well-being of the community as a whole. This is a totalitarian approach, and anybody who claims to be a member of the Liberal Party or any other party that uh, has an appreciation for our tradition should not uphold because it comes from a totalitarian, socialistic perspective that has nothing to do with our values and traditions in the West. You've uh, struck a, a very big nail on the head there because I think to myself that uh, we we have slipped uh, from a liberal democracy probably into a mob rule um, system of government. And the problem is that the uh, the wokesters out there are, are on the rise, uh, Augusto, so it becomes a woke mob rule democracy uh, in democracy yeah. in inverted commas. Uh, I use that term loosely because democracy never, in, in at least in the liberal sense of the term, never ever meant, um, you know, uh, three wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner. Uh, but it Certainly. seems to have become almost that where uh, where my rights can actually be infringed upon uh, because others feel that it's necessary to infringe upon my rights uh, uh, to somehow protect themselves from a virus that has a 0.27% infection fatality rate, uh, yeah. meaning that 99.73% of people survive it, not my numbers, they're the numbers from epidemiologist, uh, Dr. John Ioannidis, uh, who worked that out many, many moons ago. Uh, so so um, look, given all of this uh, that, that, that we've said, we talked about constitutional rights, common law rights, we've talked about the politics, of it and the uh, the philosophy behind it, why oh why hasn't there been a successful court battle over anything that's happened, Augusto? I mean, uh, states uh, state borders being shut. It seemed to me that uh, that was a transgression of the constitution in terms of 
free movement or free uh, uh, carriage between the states. Uh, we've mm. we've had mask mandates, which are not commensurate to the problem. I mean, there is much evidence out there that uh, mask mandates actually don't work. Uh, lockdowns, which I would have thought would have been a breach of some sort of um, uh, human right or a fundamental right. Uh, and, and most importantly, as you've said, there's been previous high court cases around medical conscription. And, um, you know, while some people like to play loose with the term that this is a voluntary program, uh, that is quite frankly um, bullshit to be, to be blunt, mm -hmm. that is bullshit. Um, you know, when you uh, have a, a, a figure of gun held to your head saying that you're going to lose your job, you're going to lose your livelihood, you're going to lose the thing that brings in income to pay your mortgage, the thing that brings in income to put food on the table, you're going to lose the thing that you have worked perhaps decades towards in your career. For some people, it's losing their businesses, actually. When you are put in that position, basically, that's mandated it. Uh, and, yeah. and here in my state of Queensland, I think also in yours, in uh, WA and in many other states, perhaps the majority of them, there's been this segregation where, uh, uh, you know, or right now I can't walk out of my office here and go down the road to a cafe, sit down and enjoy a coffee because apparently I'm some sort of threat to other people. Augusto, I'm not sick. Uh, I can't yeah, spread coronavirus given I'm not sick, I could go and get a test, an rapid antigen <laughs> test that would prove I'm not sick and still I can't do it. So given that that, that, that that causal factor isn't there, how in the hell hasn't there been um, a successful court case, court case yet that just completely obliterates this stuff? Yeah, well, it's, um, it's a very important question, by the way, and that perhaps... Uh, is telling us about some of the flaws with the system. Um, one of the problems that I see is that the whole doctrine of separation of powers is being also uh, incredibly undermined in the process because uh, most of these decisions are objectively speaking, according to um, uh, the principles of the rule of law, actually uh, arbitrary actions because um, decisions of this nature that profoundly affect the enjoyment of individual rights should be uh, passing through a proper parliamentary scrutiny. But some of these measures are done uh, by executive fiat. We call executive decrees, and uh, we now are calling also orders, executive orders. But these are legislative measures introduced by the executive. This is one of the unintended consequences of um, the lack of proper separation of powers between executive and legislative that's caused by the Westminster system. But this is also uh, um, combined with the fact that judges, are, unfortunately, uh, judicial appointments are done by politicians uh, in the uh, you know, uh, ultimately they are not uh, appointments based on merit. And once this happens, we, it, judges can uh, perhaps um, not necessarily be so neutral and independent and impartial as we expected them to be. And the decision in Section 92 about the borders, the Clive Palmer decision, were, was a very good indication that there is something uh, terribly wrong going on 
with the, um, um, judicial methods that have been applied by the courts and also the state of legal education in this country because perhaps the legal uh, practitioners, they are just very ignorant of the common law and common law principles because they are trained to be only very narrow-minded legal positivists. And perhaps they don't even know what I mean by that because they don't have any idea of natural law theory, for instance. So the jurisprudential training of lawyers is a disgrace. And the combination of arrogant lawyers with their lack of jurisprudential thought perhaps leads to this sort of um, tragic consequences where they apply the law regardless of the consequences when in our uh, more, more profound tradition, more, the most uh, specific one, would tell us that the uh, purpose of the law is to advance the common good and to protect the inalienable rights of the individual. And that's not something that I have been stating uh, because I think it's the right thing to do, but it is something that's derived from the uh, decisions made by our greatest uh, common lawyers in the past, including uh, Sir Samuel Grift, when in one of the first decisions of the High Court, he established very clearly that the purpose of the judicial function is to ultimately protect individual rights to life, liberty, and property. So this is not taking place at the moment, and what the governments are doing is in violation of the rule of law and of these legal traditions. And anybody who resists these instances is upholding the rule of law against an oppressive regime. So I can mm -hmm. tell you one thing. If the government is dis disregarding these traditions and, and violating our fundamental rights and freedoms, we have the moral and the legal duty to resist. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of people have been trying to find the silver bullet to all of this, uh, Augusto, and uh, there's a lot of sort of quasi-legal letters that are circulating uh, uh, that, um, that, that you know, people are told to give to other people that'll stop them from um, sacking them for not having the jab or, or whatnot. Uh, there's other people that are running these um, court cases which seem to have uh, failed so far. Um, there may be some prospects on the horizon uh, in, in some states with future court cases, uh, but then there's also the political avenue that people like myself and many others have been trying to uh, to get some change in uh, pretty much without success thus far either, uh, although there is some change in rhetoric from, uh, from some people on this front and um, mm -hmm. some change in New South Wales, which seems to have... Uh, slid back again into the uh, into the old government knows best routine. Uh, but what do you think is the answer? I'd be very interested to hear your view, given uh, uh, your status as a law professor. Um, where do you think the answer is? Is it in uh, letters that we can send off to people and, you know, underscore our rights? Is it in uh, uh, court cases or is it in the political realm? Where does the uh, answer lie we... to this dilemma? Well, um, personally, I think we have to take a holistic approach. But um, as I have mentioned, the realization of the rule of law is as much a matter of cultural and political values as, as it is a matter of proper legal institutional design. So I think we have to actually combine both elements. And that's what I try to explain in my PhD thesis and take a holistic approach. 
I think if the judges continue to make these decisions that um, in totally absurd, in my opinion, and especially that one regarding Section 92, that will further discredit the system. But this is not necessarily a bad thing in itself, because you might necessarily have to have a reform of the institutions in the future in order to avoid these uh, uh, things to ever happen again. And I hope that the only way, and I think it's the only way to go, and I hope that the people are going to learn the lesson, is um, uh, when we start to go through a, a very terrible period of great pain and suffering, where we realized that we committed the terrible mistake of putting too much trust in politicians and in uh, the judicial uh, elite. So what we have to do after this period has gone and hoping that the forces of good eventually prevail is to establish some new rules as to how politicians and judges should behave. One of the things that we should never have is so much of uh, legislation via the executive. We should yeah. not have so much of this approach that uh, the executive can create so many rules without proper democratic uh, scrutiny. Another thing we yeah. should make sure is that um, the judiciary will um, be completely independent on these matters and they will be appointed by merit. And perhaps they have to somehow um, have a new uh, way we should have of appointing judges without so much political influence. So all these things you have to, to change and the reform of the system is needed so that these problems can be corrected. Perhaps um, what we had that could maintain a, a, a structure of power that is not necessarily the best in terms of protecting rights was a respect for legality and the respect for the individual rights of the citizen that's now being uh, compromised in the process of uh, fighting this uh, so-called pandemic. So the pandemic has been used as a justification for the accumulation of powers. And we know in history that power, and the Lord Acton taught us this, but we know in history that uh, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's why we have uh, the idea that power should never be concentrated as, as it's happening right now with these uh, premiers acting in a way that is absolutely tyrannical and dictatorial and the basic principles of the parliamentary system being uh, that we have inherited from England, the Westminster model being completely destroyed in the process. So some uh, uh, changes in the process, even constitutional amendments to prevent this to happen again, ever again, are absolutely necessary. We are going to have inevitably a reset, but it's going to go either in the favor of those who want to improve the system and further protect individual rights and freedoms according to our traditions of constitutional government, or we are going to descend to a, a, a period of total oppression and tyranny that you might not even ever be able to have the return to the normal uh, status quo that you have prior to this uh, current crisis. Mm, well, let's not hope it's the uh, Klaus Schwab Great Reset or it'll be the uh the more negative of the two that you're talking about there. Now, uh, Professor Augusto Zimmerman, what would you do, uh, the one thing that you would do if you were given control of the uh, legal situation in Australia? 
to fix all of this mess? What is it? I think we should, um, first of all, um, revisit what we have done in the past that has allowed uh, these, uh, uh, for this situation to take place at the moment. So perhaps the excessive confidence that we had in government to pass an excessive number of laws that are quite detrimental to freedom of association, freedom of conscience, and even freedom of speech. I think we should start to repeal laws rather than creating them in order to give more freedom to the masses, to the people of this country. Another thing we need to do is to make sure that the judiciary is no longer allowing the executive to issue so many decrees because that's the behavior of dictators. So every time we have the executive issuing orders, this is undermining uh, the doctrine of separation of powers, and the judiciary has allowed this to happen. So perhaps we should amend the Constitution in order to prohibit this sort of uh, attitude to take place, and also to make sure that some fundamental rights of the citizen are absolutely essential, and they cannot never be uh, repealed or, or abrogated by other uh, judges or politicians. And also instructing the judges that every time we create a, a, a legislation that is protective of the rights of the individual, that these uh, um, uh, laws must be applied in accordance with the original intent of the drafter. I find it despicable that judges can do whatever they want and use any method of interpretation whatsoever when it comes to the application and of the provisions in, in the most important of our laws which is the Commonwealth Constitution. So we should impose on the judges an originalist method where they have to take into account the intention of the legislator and the ultimately uh, aiming the protection, of course, as I have mentioned, of these rights and freedoms. Mm, absolutely. That's uh, one thing that we need, again, is for the... Uh the institutions of the law to become the protectors of individual freedoms. Thank you yeah. very much for your insights here, Professor Augusto Zimmerman. Thank, Thank you, you for joining us for Conservative. And Party. I must say, George, that uh, you are doing an excellent job and I wish we could have more people like you in Parliament. God bless right. you and I'm, I'm pretty sure that I speak on behalf of many people who deeply admire what you do. Thank you very much, Augusto. The same to you. God bless. God bless you. Conservative One Pandemic Unmasked is hosted by George Christensen, MP. You can find more episodes from this series at goodsource.news forward slash unmasked. This show is produced and published without censorship or paywall by the team at The Good Source, thanks to The Good Source supporters. If you'd like to be part of the solution by helping us produce more truthful content like this each month, head to goodsource.news and click on the support button. Make sure to follow George Christensen on Telegram, Getter, Gab, Parler, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. You can also help us beat the algorithms by giving us five stars and encouraging comments in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.